WSJM News Now. This is the 5 o'clock News Block on News Talk Sports 94.9 WSJM. Brought to you by the Town Crier Wire. In the newsroom, I'm Andrew Green. Governor Gretchen Whitmer delivered her much-touted What's Next speech this morning, pre- previewing what she hopes the state legislature will focus on in the coming weeks. WSJM's Ken Lundberg has more. The governor said her focus this fall is on the people, the planet, the economy, and democracy. For people, her push is for additional health care reforms, including rolling back abortion restrictions that are still on the state books and codifying major elements of the Affordable Care Act, like making insurance companies cover pre-existing conditions. For the planet, the governor called for fast-tracking utility-scale wind and solar operations, making it a state responsibility, removing local roadblocks. Whitmer called for legislation requiring businesses to provide paid medical leave, and for democracy, she referenced the 2020 elections and called for more election security. Our plans are ambitious, but they're achievable. Let's get them done so we can build a bright future for Michigan. Outside of the faster permitting process, there's likely to be little bipartisan agreement on the governor's plans. Ken Lundberg, WSJM News. Governor Gretchen Whitmer laid out many health care proposals during her What's Next address today. She said the legislature should codify provisions of the Affordable Care Act, like protections for pre-existing conditions so people aren't penalized for having medical problems. And requiring insurance plans to cover essential services, like ambulance services, maternity care, mental health treatment, and birth control. Every Michigander deserves quality, affordable care. Wimmer called for the implementation of the state's prescription drug task force recommendations and the establishment of a prescription drug affordability board. The board would use data and evidence-based research to tackle the cost of prescription drugs. We need to hold bad actors across the supply chain accountable for skyrocketing prices while also encouraging R&D for new treatments and cures made right here in Michigan. Whitmer also said the state should act more to protect reproductive rights by eliminating old laws that still limit care. She called for the legislature to pass the Reproductive Health Act this fall while it still can. State Senator Eric Nesbitt, meanwhile, is not a fan of the governor's What's Next address. In a statement, Nesbitt says Whitmer is pursuing a radical agenda, quote, emboldened by her presidential ambition and her party's slim majority in the legislature. He adds that Whitmer is, quote, fighting to increase income taxes on hardworking families and impose new tax burdens on small businesses and charitable nonprofits at a time when taxes should be cut. He wonders if there are no moderate Democrats willing to stop her. Meanwhile, State Representative Pauline Wenzel says Whitmer is gaslighting Michigan residents, quote, with promises of lower rates to implement her green dream. Among other things, Whitmer called for an all-green energy policy in the address. Wenzel says it would cost billions to create new green infrastructure, while, quote, Michigan ratepayers will inevitably bear the financial burden with increased monthly utility bills. She adds at a time of inflation, Democrats are only adding to the costs that people face. Barry and Risa has spent the summer talking with superintendents all over Barry and County about how they could improve educational outcomes at their schools. Risa Superintendent Eric Hopstock tells us all but one of the superintendents in the county took part in the discussions and they came to the conclusion that helping teachers improve should be the top priority. How do we build teachers' skills so that they are the absolute best at providing reading, math instruction, and that every kid feels like I belong at the school and I'm engaged in my learning? Hopstock says that Risa is now working with all districts in the county to help provide professional development to teachers. We can do that. Those are things that we can work together on. Those are things that we can share best practices. We can let each other, hey, come on in, see what I'm doing. Hey, can I come over and observe what you're doing? The goal is to help teachers maintain excellence in core subjects, but also to help them ensure students feel like they belong. 
Hopstock says it is unique that RISA would work with schools and teachers countywide, but that's what it will be doing in the year to come. Each district will continue to deliver the curriculum of its choosing as approved by the boards of education. However, each will work with RISA to help teachers get additional training. The Ben Harbor Area Schools Board of Education has opted to keep Dr. Kelvin Butts on as the interim superintendent for another month. The board placed him in the role in July of last year when Dr. Andre Townsell left. Trustees have indicated support, support for Butts to become Townsell's permanent replacement, but have yet to reach a contract with him. They held a closed session this week to work further on a contract for Butts, but came out of it saying more deliberation is needed. He's now the interim superintendent through September 30th. Set for September 16th is the second-ever Southwest Michigan Record Show. The first was held in May with organizer Jeremy Bonfiglio telling us more than 300 people attended. He started the event after running a similar record show in South Bend and noticing lots of Southwest Michigan residents would come down. Record collectors and sellers from all over will be at the Mendel Center on the 16th. It'll be 65 tables, so about 25, 30 vendors coming from across the Midwest. So it's a good selection of music because what I find is sometimes different areas kind of specialize in different areas of music or you can find records in one corner of the state and not the other. So it gives an opportunity to kind of bring a lot of different vinyl together in one room. Bonfiglio says vinyl record collecting has exploded in recent years. He suggests that anyone interested in it stop by the show. They'll be giving out door prizes that include shopping certificates and record supplies. The event will run from 11 a.m. to 5 p.m. on the 16th. And tonight you'll get a rare chance to see a super blue moon. The head of astronomy at Cranbrook in Metro Detroit, Michael Narlock, says the super blue moon is when the moon is bigger and brighter, and this is the second full moon in a month. He thinks you'll be able to see it quite well if the weather cooperates. I cloud over, but if it's clear or clear-ish, uh, you should be able to see the, the moon. Now, technically speaking, uh, the moon will be at its full phase at about 936. Now, that, that's to say, you know, if we measure it mathematically, that's the actual time it's at, at full moon. But, you know, you'll, it'll look like a full moon a day before and a day after. Narlek says it'll be the last super blue moon until 2037. WSJM News Now continues with your Bloomberg Report. WSJM News Now continues, brought to you by Imperial Furniture and Dwajak, where furniture shopping is fun. FEMA is already helping Florida and Georgia residents recover from the hurricane just hours after it hit. ABC Sandy Field has an update. While FEMA could not anticipate the Maui wildfires, it spent days preparing for Hurricane Adelia. We have over a 1,000 personnel currently deployed, prepared to support um, not just Florida, but all of our states that are in the path as needed. FEMA Administrator Deanne Criswell says repairs, supply crews, and housing experts are already there helping undo some of the damage. Andy Field, ABC News, Washington. Meanwhile, the Hurricane Adalia made landfall as a dangerous Category 3 hurricane in the lightly populated Big Bend region where Florida, the Florida Panhandle curves into the peninsula. Then it moved off east of Tallahassee toward Georgia where it downed power lines, shut down part of the interstate highway into town and more. Coastal storm surge as high as 16 feet in places remained a major concern. More than 365,000 customers in Florida and Georgia lost power as trees snapped in the winds and water turned roads into rivers. The National Weather Service says Adalia will hit the Carolinas as a tropical storm before moving out to sea. 
Meanwhile, ABC's Karen Travers has the latest from the Biden administration on its response. The White House says President Biden was updated Wednesday morning on the path of Hurricane Idalia, and his senior team continues to brief him regularly. The federal government has prepositioned personnel and resources to be able to immediately support the response and recovery efforts in Florida. The White House says that includes more than 1,500 federal personnel on the ground, more than 540 urban search and rescue personnel, and Coast Guard teams to support those efforts. Pre-stage supplies include more than 1.3 million meals and 1.6 million liters of water that the White House says is available pending requests from the states impacted. Karen Travers, ABC News, the White House. Russian officials and news reports say that Ukraine has sent waves of drones deep into western Russia in nighttime attacks that struck military assets. Russian state news agency TASS reported the drones hit an airport near Russia's border with Estonia and Latvia, causing a huge blaze and damaging four military transport aircraft. The barrage early Wednesday appeared to be the biggest Ukrainian drone attack on Russian soil since the war in Ukraine started 18 months ago, although no injuries have been reported. Ukrainian officials said Russia hit Kiev with drones and missiles during the night in a, quote, massive combined attack that killed two people. A spokesperson for the Senate Minority Leader tells ABC News Mitch McConnell, quote, felt momentarily lightheaded today. That's when he suddenly stopped speaking during a press conference. It's not the first time that this has happened. ABC's Stephen Portnoy has more. It happened at a press conference in northern Kentucky. The 81-year-old leader of the Senate Republicans froze up when he was asked whether he'd run for re-election three years from now. Mitch McConnell stood with a blank stare on his face. An aide stepped in. All right, I'm sorry, you all. We're going to need a minute. After about 30 seconds of silence, McConnell re-engaged and in a frail voice took a couple more questions. It's the second time in just over a month that he's had such an episode in public. Stephen Portnoy, ABC News, Washington. The United States, the United Kingdom, South Korea, and Japan are urging North Korea to halt arms negotiations with Russia following revelations Russian and North Korean talks on a weapons sale are advancing. The four countries say any Russian-North Korean arms deal would violate U.N. Security Council resolutions prohibiting all countries from buying or obtaining any arms from the North. The White House says it has intelligence showing Russian President Vladimir Putin and North Korean leader Kim Jong-un swapped letters as Russia looks to North Korea for additional munitions for its war in Ukraine. National Security Council spokesperson John Kirby detailed the findings today. A federal judge in Washington has found Rudolph Giuliani liable for defamation in a case brought by two Georgia election workers. It's not a ruling on the merits. Instead, Rudy Giuliani has been found liable as a sanction for his failure to turn over evidence to the plaintiffs. Ruby Freeman and her daughter Shay Moss say Giuliani defamed them, for instance, telling Georgia lawmakers that the two election workers passed around USB sticks like vials of drugs. Freeman later told the House January 6th committee. I won't even introduce my self by my name anymore. Judge Beryl Howell says Giuliani must pay the women's attorney's fees. A federal jury will decide damages. During last week's Republican presidential debate, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis dodged a question about a federal abortion ban by telling a story about a woman he knew who he claimed survived despite multiple abortion attempts. The woman he referenced is real, but her story from the 1950s is more complicated than DeSantis made it sound. The woman, Miriam Penny Hopper, said she was essentially discarded by a doctor after her parents tried to abort her at home. But newspaper accounts from the Times say doctors at the hospital tried to save her, and medical experts have also questioned the story. 
And you may not think much about COVID these days, but if you know someone who's had it recently, they weren't alone, according to new data. More from ABC's Alex Stone. One way to know the general activity level of a virus in a population is to check wastewater samples. For COVID, it's a pretty accurate snapshot. In the San Francisco Bay Area, cases are rising noticeably after they were super low during the summer. Dr. Chris Colwell, Chief of Emergency Medicine at Zuckerberg San Francisco General, says that's in line with what they're seeing at the hospital right now. What we are seeing now is clearly a spike in cases, uh, people that are affected by COVID. Still, though, compared to during the pandemic, levels are low but rising. Alex Stone, EBC News. WSJM News now continues with your weather forecast.